When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. When you've got worries, all the noise and the hurry seems to help, I know. Downtown, just listen to the music of the traffic in the city. Linger on the sidewalk where the neon signs are pretty. How can you lose the light so much brighter there? You can't forget all your troubles, forget all your cares, so go downtown. Things will be great when you're downtown. No final place for sure, downtown. Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And tonight, what's buried under the floorboards? Bodies? Past lovers? Secrets you want hidden? And murder! <laughs> As we delve into Last Night in Soho, I'm Mitch. I'm Mur. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. <laughs> so this movie came out last year, and it was directed by our friend Edgar Wright. Is he my friend? No, but I like to think of him that way. <laughs> He's all of our friends. Um, before we get into it, I'm going to go into the production notes, and then we could riff on everything that's going on. So this movie was written and directed by Edgar Wright. He's known for co-writing Ant-Man, as well as making the film Baby Driver, Shaun of the Dead, as well as Hot Fuzz. A baby Driver is amazing. Yeah. That's like a really good movie. Despite it having a recent pedophile in the movie, yeah. uh, it's a really good story. <laughs> oh, man. I love that. that everybody who was associated with him was just like, done, dropped. You're dead. You're president in a series? No, you're not going to be in the new season. Uh, Kevin Spacey. It was just like, yeah. uh, you you molested someone who was underage. Uh, yes. I, it's about time I, t- I come out and tell you I am, in fact, gay. <laughs> just yeah, like, literally, that <laughs> was his response. And you're like, what the fuck? Awful person. Um. But the, the, Last Night in Soho was directed by Edgar Wright. The story was co-written by Christy Wilson-Carnes. She's known for being a staff writer on the TV series Penny Dreadful. Also a good show. Uh, basically, they wrote the first draft in six weeks together in a rented-out office. And then Lucy Pardee conducted interviews with people who lived and worked in Soho during the 1960s. So it was definitely a period piece for the flashback era. From what I've seen, pretty accurate. So question about Soho, because I know there's a Soho in New York City. So when I heard First Night in Soho, I thought this was taking place in New York. Oh. But it's actually taking place in London. I'm, so there's, I'm even worse. Is the original that. Soho from London, the UK? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I think the New York like copied it. Yeah. And like they wanted an area that was similar to it as far as like fashion goes. So I thought Soho was like a place in Japan oh. or something like that because Soho... <laughs> It totally sounds like it could be. Like it could yeah. be. Don't, I'm not that dumb. I'm and not this what, crazy. Okay. From what I remember when I went to New York City is when I was in Soho, it was very close to Chinatown. So I was thinking that the two were connected somehow. Ooh. Okay. So so your, your presumptions are we're both We're all wrong. Yeah. I want to um, know what Soho actually means. Because I've heard NoHo for North Hollywood and Soho for South Ooh. Hollywood, not as much. Mostly North Hollywood, because that's uh, where you want to be. It might be. Uh, the thing is, this is like just a couple blocks away from the mainland in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, Soho is basically a general area where 
it is a very nightlife district area as well as it has a good fashion um, industry there yeah, because of the, because of the, the the school that's right there. Same with the Soho in New York. Oh, it's shit. like the fashion district, basically. Right. And so the, the cool thing about it when I was doing my research is that everything that you could want in a town is within walking distance, whether it's several blocks or just a few. So it's very New York-esque in the sense that, hey, you could get food, you could get fashion you could get uh, a movie everything in walking distance that's something that's cool about a lot of the european cities is they build like specific neighborhoods within the cities so where they're like small communities you don't really have to have a car in order to get everything right yeah everything like you said is within walking distance and some parts of new york city especially in manhattan are like that too oh yeah and uh even though the subway system exists you know you could still go down to your local bodega and fight a bodega rat (laughs) (laughs) so the name uh soho it's kind of a mystery they don't really know where it came from for the london one there is the possibility that it derived from a guy who used it as a hunting cry at some point but other than that there really isn't anything else it was formerly also a royal park during the tudor times yeah is it like a a thing didn't it become a square and that's like the main Mm -hmm. area of where it is is, in london squared area yeah so that's that's what it ended up being and then other places mitch you weren't far off there's a soho in hong kong Oh, there you go. So yeah, see, right, right. So cause yeah. I'm not, I'm not too off. Base no, here. no, no. Right, so, right. so this just, this just means that there will be a New York adaptation and Chinese adaptation. Right. Yeah. Yes. 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 Last also makes sense Soho. why the New York Soho is near Chinatown. Ooh. I, I'm honestly okay with there being different versions of Last Night in Soho, but from different regions. Of Yo, different if they want to do like sequels, yeah. that's actually whoa. Yeah, that could be pretty sweet. Actually, yeah. just a little series. Yeah, just a little series um, of all the Soho. Now, uh, talking about different adaptations, I wanted to mention. Remember that movie we talked about for our 100th episode, One Cut of the Dead? Yeah, yeah. And it was awesome and amazing. Well, it mm-hmm. turns out that the, the the English wanted it too, and so they're pretty much in production now making an english version which oh wow i don't know how i feel about that either. <laughs> uh, that movie Let's had a lot of heart justice yeah we we could only see in our t- if it has the same amount of heart i won't care yeah i agree with that yep uh so to end production notes real quick uh this movie does star anna taylor joy who we've talked about prior on the witch she was the main character in that she was originally considered for the role of eloise or ellie but they basically convinced her to change her role to be uh, Sandy in the movie. We also discussed earlier that Anna Taylor-Joy is a triple threat in the industry. Uh, I also just want to throw in she was the main character in The Queen's Gambit. Oh, yes, that's her big thing. Yes, Yes. the Netflix show. But yeah, yeah, she's a triple threat. Yeah, she not only is she uh, gorgeous and and a wonderful uh, dancer and singer, but she could also act. So that's awesome. Good for her. Good for her. Would it, it would have been very sought after if you were in film in the early 40s and 50s, aka like your Fred Astaire type, who could do yeah. all three and was very successful in like show tunes. Think West Side Story. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> um, and then we're going to basically talk about how she made two versions of Downtown for this song, uh, movie. Yeah, can actually sing really well. There is an upbeat version and a downbeat version is what mm. I've seen in on Spotify. And then this movie had a budget of $43 million, and the box office is $23.1 million. It did not make its money back, 
Uh, but part of that has to be due to limited release due to the pandemic. Yeah. So a all lot, of these are getting affected by it. A lot of these movies are only out for X amount of days they or didn't weeks do at a time. The, they didn't do the theater and streaming release. They did only a theater release. Which is interesting because I saw the trailer for this in a theater. Yeah. <laughs> I believe I saw it for Candyman. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, when I we went to we go watch too. it. Yeah. yeah. When, when we all saw Candyman. Yep. Yeah, that's right. We all went yeah, together. Yeah, we all went together. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a very surreal ghost story, which is pretty true. Yeah. Um, to round out our cast, we have Thomas and McKenzie as Eloise Ellie Turner. Uh, me and Mitch love her in Jojo Rabbit with Taita with oh, TT. Yeah, huh? Love, love Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit's a wonderful movie. Uh, Anna Taylor-Joy, as we said before, she was in The Witch as well as Queen's Gambit. And then Matt Smith. The 11th Doctor from Doctor Who portraying Jack. I just got to say, why do they turn all the Doctors into villains in their later roles? They just got the face for it. Because, you know, okay, you think David Tennant? Yes. He and played a villain in fucking Harry Potter and in Jessica Jones. Yes. You, you, you know what it could be? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for interrupting. I <laughs> You're apologize. Fine. You're fine. Um, but I think that what it might be is that they might be trying not to get typecasted as also. like a wholesome ah. individual. So they're like, let's keep my options open. I'll do something a little dark now. Yeah. Because fucking Matt Smith plays a scumbag in this movie. Yeah. yeah. I can't get scumbag. over his Neanderthal looking face with his heavy brow. And no eyebrows. <laughs> no eyebrows. Like his brow is so strong, it like pushes his eyebrows down. It's kind of insane. You know, <laughs> like um, it's uh, just. Oh. <laughs> in, in his intro in this movie, he. I saw a bit of the doctor in him with how whimsical everything right, was. Right, yeah. He's and got then, the body acting and like theater acting kind of going. And Definitely. then it finally goes south. And we'll talk about that, how, how it basically plays out in you the You also got to mention uh, Terrence Stamp as the old yes. Lindsay. That dude is actually in a lot of horror films and usually as uh, usually it's a bad guy. So it's kind of cool to see him as an undercover vice cop. Although we didn't know that till yeah, it one was of the too late. No, 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 that was no, it was great. Yeah, I love that twist. Yeah, <laughs> really good. I, this movie does a good job of fucking with you. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, also, we have Michael Ayaho as John. I believe that is uh, her love interest in the movie. Correct. Yeah. Um, he was in. A, he's been in a few TV shows, and mostly as a side character. So cool to see him get a little more light, but still side character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A very wholesome character in this. Yeah, he's actually that dude puts up with so much shit. Honestly, I would have just stopped pursuing her after that first one. Not gonna lie, that's a lot of fucking trouble. It's like, who's this weird ass white girl? Also, this girl, she never looks which way she's going when she crosses streets. No, never. She She just runs runs out everywhere. That would be the first like three times. First red flag. All right. First red flag. All right. So we want to talk about. Let's talk about the beginning of this movie. Okay. Yeah. Are we done with production well, stuff? Yeah, we are done with production What are your first stuff? impressions then? What did you guys think? Because we, we had talked about how uh, Justine mentioned that you thought it was surreal, but not too surreal. Yeah, like this is something that definitely gets into the sort of weird. There's a lot of like psychedelic effects that they do right. with the cinematography. And it's definitely a surreal concept. You have this ghost story, murder mystery, living through people's thoughts and your dreams kind of weird thing going on. Um, but it's still digestible for a larger audience because there's definitely some things like we were talking about Titan, Titan. Titan. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about it, that, and that's a really like surreal, out there, probably should not show that to everybody kind of movie. But this is a movie that you could definitely show to everybody. So it's digestible, but it's still surrealist. Right. Uh, this movie has the uh, the household name of Edgar Wright. So this was his first. I don't know if this is his first foray into horror, but it was really cool to see uh, the comedy there uh, in occasional scenes as well as the drama 
and the horrific uh, imagery, uh, you could tell that he was definitely having a lot of fun with the movie as it was going on and definitely wanted to portray a story that talks about the industry and how it is, uh, how young women are affected by this, even though uh, it's an older period piece. There's a theory that the movie didn't do well because of his critique of the industry and that some of the higher up execs were like, I don't know about this movie. Yeah, Mostly because like that's probably exactly what they do. Why why do you have to show girls in back rooms giving head, you know? So so this <laughs> one, they yeah, they didn't pull any punches as far as like what exactly happens to the women. And then even in the beginning of the story, um, I realized like halfway through that Matt Matt Smith's character like sets her up. Like he sets up that fight with the other guy to to woo her and bring her into so he was kind of like he's the guy that would get women to join at first and then he becomes like their quote-unquote handler for like kind the like rest of that time he is yeah. a pimp that's exactly how yeah. pimps work and that's exactly how sex trafficking happens is yeah comes this person and she couldn't escape puts too. you in a situation makes you feel safe makes you think they're their friend and then next thing you know you're being forced into these situations against your will yeah th- after Having it placed in a shiny package, you know, he tried to get her a deal at a theater as a performer for Turns this like burlesque, burlesque show, show. And they happen to be pimping out the dancers, which does happen a lot in the dance industry, especially mm. with burlesque and ballet. There is a lot of pimping that goes on with the dancers that is not talked about. So I thought that was really interesting that they included that as a main part of the story. I also felt like in the beginning of this movie, uh, it's a very bright eyes kind of perspective. Someone who's, yeah, you have this country girl yeah. who wants to get away and go to the big city and yeah. start her fashion career. You also have the implication that her mom attempted to do this at some point, and uh, we later find out that she couldn't handle the city life and what was de- going on within the fashion industry to a point where she ended her life. Yeah. Um. So it's like you feel hopeful, but you know that things are probably not going to work out or something's going to go wrong because she's a new girl in a new city. I mean, that just, that, that already foreshadows how gnarly yeah. like her experience is going to be in the first place. Cause if it turned her mom to suicide, like what is it going to do to her? This did strike me though, as like mainstream horror film, as far as like the oh, budget definitely. and what they did for it because of not only the custom songs, the talent that they got for it, the the visuals is like they must use like a really nice camera for this because you get a really but also when they were writing it um his co-writer she really paid attention to what was gonna happen in the cities and where you would go so like the scenes where they portray you going to like a bar or a club and like the the waitresses or the dancers would be there and then they show it when they when she sits down and they're like what's your name what's your name and like the multiple dudes like that was a thing you could do in the 60s in soho was go to a club and pick someone up who was a sex worker at that place and that's how they did it like during that time period and everyone was like they kind of knew and then that's why you had the vice cop who was in the red light district trying to figure out who was doing it so like all of it is super accurate they weren't like playing it up like this like this is actually what happened and it's all really terrible and then it gets all unhinged when she's going to the back to realize what's happening and like you have the off kilter shot where it's like moving back and forth as you're going through. you're going through every single room kind of scooby-doo style scene the portrayal of the industry right. and all of its glory. <laughs> it's like all of it. I mean, you I have mean, people ODing. You have people doing drugs, people I, giving head, people yeah. undressing and dressing, people I, smoking cigarettes literally everywhere. People crying. I, and, and there's uh, one point 
There's a, a woman on the phone crying to I could only imagine her mother saying, "Well, it's not exactly what I thought it was gonna be." Right. Yeah. And it's uh, awful. <laughs> I, I, me and Murr watched this movie together, and um, I do, I do remember specifically him like, because it, it's, it's doing that pan shot where it's watching every room and all of the obscene shit that's going on in there. And then he was just like, the industry. Yeah. <laughs> right. The underbelly. We're so, seeing how it. it it's obviously a, a critique and sort of, uh, not really a revelation because we all know about it. But then what do you think it's saying then about the industry then and then now? Because we're becoming very aware of these things happening within the industry and we're, per, we're not so forgiving anymore. So if you look at um, sort of the duality of what she sees in her dream state yeah. when, she's, when she's getting these ghost visions of the past and everything um and then you're seeing how she's treated with her designs and her class and whatnot because technically they're part of the industry right right but her teacher's really encouraging yeah she loves that look yeah go go with this look absolutely do it if that's what speaks to you do it and then you know she even has like a good a good line which i'm sure is a big one in the fashion industry like she's not like she's not wearing the dress the dress is wearing her oh yeah or, or yeah, I think that's uh, that's what it is essentially. Like the dress is the idea of what you're supposed to be looking at, not the person wearing it. Right. Yeah. That that's a part. It's a part of her because she's going to this. So kind of understated, but she went to a, a, a fashion school in in Soho in London, which is pretty prestigious to start with. And then um, after that, though, they really made a point to show that what was accepted really well by the teacher in the class was this old style of 60s fashion and that becomes the like fashion show later not so much the new stuff although justine mentioned she wanted to know what the guy was making because that looks like some wizard it looks like some medieval shit. stuff right we even mentioned that no well, he's the cool I could guy tell by shut the fuck up siri <laughs> siri just activated for no reason um Shit. So I noticed the garbs that he was making, the fabric that he used is specific to uh, African textiles that are used. I don't know if it's East or West African. Sorry, I'm not I'm not cultured, but (laughs) I could tell that it was some sort of design surrounding that sort of culture. And a lot of times they are very royal designs. This is something we don't really see a whole lot is a lot of fashion that comes out of Africa is insane and gorgeous so nice. and royal and regal. And we don't see it that much. The but closest we got was uh, Black Panther. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. But you do have, you know, these cloaks and capes that are oftentimes used for uh, overgarments, things like that, obviously. What we were noticing about it is that they're very dark as well as like they're all hooded. Um, some of the stuff that like you barely see it. It's like a cutaway shot of him for basically what? oh for what oh, he's for making the, you can yeah. see the, the designs on the uh, paper that he's working with and it's very it's just medieval mm-hmm. very wizard like and i yeah it was giving me like some cyberpunk fantasy i would have loved to see uh that design be uh shown more often within the classroom for sure yeah um as far as as far as how the story goes i do feel like it stuck to the story we've seen before of someone kind of unraveling which is like she she has these visions. They hint at a power that she has, which is to see like souls that were dead in a certain place. But she has to like be there, like in the place. And so she the room she rents out ends up being where she meets the the, the kind of like the soul of the woman who died there, or quote unquote, quote unquote died, died there because there. they really heavily suggest that she she did. metaphorically died there yeah. and then actually died there, which is interesting the then end. because she sees it. But it's not a dead person. So it's like, what is her power well, exactly? 
I mean, psychicism goes beyond just being able to see dead people, but Mitch looks really excited, so I'm going to let him talk. <laughs> yeah. Go. I don't think she's a psychic. I think it's the ghost sending messages of all the dead men oh. that she killed. That, and it's, well, so what about with her mom, though? Hmm? So she's able to receive messages from ghosts? I would, I would imagine so. Perhaps her mom visited the same place and that they are just, oh. she's in that room. So what I was going to say is that being psychic is a really broad term. And right. there's a lot of things that could be defined as a psychic capability. One, obviously, is communing with dead people, <laughs> talking to ghosts and spirits and stuff. But another one is being extra sensitive to the energy in an area to the point where you can reimagine what happened in that place. You see this in Hannibal with Will Graham. He They call him an empath. I guess that is sort of a trait of em high empathy or whatever. Right. But, he, like, yeah, you can go into a place and basically piece together what exactly happened just by one seeing like what is there, but also sensing the energy that's there. So I think it's more implied that she's just sensitive to traumatic events that happen in the area to the point where she can see them and reenact them in her right. head. Right. The, the, the story goes to like, it gives you like these red herring things where it's like it wants you to think one thing. And one of those is that she is obviously seeing the visions of a dead woman. Yeah, because she's seeing her mother, but she's also yeah. carrying that energy of her mother with her everywhere. Right. In like the form of her picture and yeah. her memories, little memorabilia things. And then the other bit of it is that they really want to convince you that the old man is an older version of the man who killed this woman. Yeah, but he was also directly related to the case. So that's yes. probably why she's seeing him as the killer because he's the only other person involved, really, that's still alive. I mean, that. it doesn't help that he's creepy. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. also so, is a creep. But, like, he's also a vice cop or was a vice cop. So, Which like, he had to blend in. It's it's when she first sees him is probably why she thinks he's the bad guy in the first place because right. she sees him coming out of the red light district. Yeah. But knowing that he is actually a cop that was investigating the red light district, it must mean he was there doing work or yeah. catching up with some old buddies or some shit like right. that. Yeah, it's hard to know. But because he was placed in that area when all of this started happening, he was automatically associated in that way. And he's old enough to have existed during that time. So right. main suspect automatically. So what I thought was interesting about that was the main character, Ellie, she ends up experiencing this trauma over again. And then she ends up getting a really good uh, like impression of what it is that the woman was going through, which is the, like the trauma basically of all the sex workers during that time, which is the endless amount of men that come in to these areas and don't treat them well. Like it's obviously an objectification of, of like all of them, mm -hmm. like everything about them. And so this is the thing that she keeps reliving and to the point where she doesn't want to go to sleep anymore because she keeps getting such strong visions from it. But then it like shifts. Um, so when I, first when we were first watching this immediately as she arrives in soho it's super uncomfortable for even me to even watch. the cab driver uh, the cab driver was a big one just like oh what are you doing in london oh i'm i'm doing the fashion industry well you have the legs for it and it's just it's really creepy and she eventually went in to go buy like a, a soda at a store and the cab driver was just idling by waiting She's for waiting her. to see if she'll come back out and it, it was very creepy and and unsettling not only that, but also dealing with uh, a very fucked up roommate who basically says, oh, I believe she's, she's going to off herself within the next month. Um, it's hilarious that they dressed up as the craft uh, yeah, for during the, <laughs> the Halloween party that they go to and then like obviously doses her with a psychedelic. 
And so that that whole she's awful. Like she's one of those characters where like, damn, I was hoping she'd get stabbed. She's just <laughs> like straight up the rudest person. <laughs> yeah, just like, awful. Just just cruises on into your shared dorm room and starts banging on the bed next right. to you while you're trying to read your book. Like they they even have the parallel between uh, Ellie and Sadie. Uh, she basically, I thought it was a very powerful scene when she comes out of her room and goes to the party area covered in a blanket with headphones on. yeah she and, really just wanted to chill and uh someone was like what you listen to and she's like well fucking nothing now because he took my headphones." that was a great response <laughs> she's like well nothing now and then he's just like yeah do you listen to this shit this like some grandpa music yeah that um, was fucked but eventually i mean multiple people at that party ask her what her name is and it's it's very reminiscent of what sadie had to go through also what, yeah what am i my because th- this movie does or sandy the, the, sorry this, well this movie does the red herring like bullshit like so many times and it does it during that party when her friend like the the soon-to-be boyfriend who bless him because he puts up with so, so much, much shit, shit yeah so much shit for this lady literally gets stabbed and, in the gut for yeah it. but i mean it's when he brings her the coke can and says oh i'm sorry this was yours and because of all of the previous interactions you assume this dude is trying to do something yeah exactly and then later he returns her the coke that says sorry on it yeah he drank her coke and it's cute <laughs> <laughs> Um, as the sequences fall out, she basically moves out of her dorm room into a new uh, area of Soho, and uh, this the, she meets the landlord of this lady uh, of this area, who is an older woman who basically has some very strict rules and some very strict payment options uh, to be able to rent this room out. I should have known after she said no male visitors after whatever time that it's obviously her, the the, the woman she's seeing. But I got to say, I don't know how I feel about them shifting sympathy to the men towards the end of the story. And like, yeah, that was my gripe. With I, it too. Like, I don't know. It's just because like, you spent so much time building up this like she's obviously gone through a lot. And then to make her the murderer at the end and then to like make her the villain is kind of like, why? Well, like, OK, I get I get it. I understand it. it from a filmmaker perspective and what they're trying to do here. And I think. It's this movie was made more for a male audience. Yeah, I got tricked into thinking it was something else. I think they were trying to basically be like, watch out, guys. Don't take advantage of women because they'll fucking kill you. (laughs) I kind of got that, too. And I I thought originally it was going to be like sort of a story where she did escape and then like figured out a way. So if she had not tried to kill Ellie... I would have been like, yeah, that's fine. She's not like a villain in the story. And then mm-hmm. she survives. And then you get this really dark story of how well, she got I mean, her revenge. She kind of had to kill her. But yeah. And at so, that point, because she knew exactly what was going on. I mean, she didn't have to, but it would be taking a really big risk to let her live. Yeah. Well, they did another red herring by making you think that the zombies were trying to capture her to do something. And then they're like, in the end, it's all oh, they wanted some help. And so I'm just like, oh, this kind of undercuts the whole like men are pretty being are being really awful but thing. The men also told her to kill this woman. True, which is awful too. Yeah, I I honestly when when uh I this movie plays out you th- you want to know who the Sandy is. Right. So you you make theories like oh maybe the old woman is Sandy or maybe Sandy is Eloise's mother. Yeah, that's what that's what see that was what my first thought was until you see the mother's ghost at the end of the movie. Right. Yeah, because I but even thought at first that it was Sandy's mom the way they point, set it up. Or sorry, like, um, Eloise's mom. Yeah. One point I'd like to make though, and this might be controversial, <laughs> might be, um. Is the point of this movie to say that men are evil or is it to say that the industry is evil? 
definitely the industry. It's the is industry. Evil. Yeah. 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 Just so, that it gets just about everybody who goes into also the area. Noting too throughout the movie that the industry is pretty much run by men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then this definitely. makes me believe that what because Edgar Wright has worked with Kevin Spacey, maybe he just wanted to make a movie about Kevin Spacey. Yeah, I don't know if he would dedicate that much time. <laughs> well, not not just maybe he wants to, to bring but it it's up. like people like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. In, you know the, I mean? in the industry that right. are like, and so it's sort of like, but these, but then it like reaffirms the idea that she's not getting her information from a good source of people. Yeah, and even I think the main character is uh, Ellie is comp is like um, sort of conflicted over this situation as well. And I think that's kind of why we get all these red herrings and what's like an interpretation of these visions she's getting and how you can misinterpret those as well. So the only thing is at the end though, she does see Sandy as -hmm. well. So like the, what, whatever she's experiencing to me felt like if she is familiar with somebody or if she's in like the certain area that they'll stick with her because she's able to see them. And in this case, Sandy's going to stay with her like for the rest of her life. That's what I was kind of thinking too with uh, the interpretation. Like uh, you'll never, she'll probably never forget her time in Soho. Right. And dealing with all the trauma as well as like all the, uh, the amazing like uh, period pieces that she experiences in her dreams. Those are like super dreamlike states where she gets to see what happened to Sandy in the industry going from someone who says, I'm a big shot. I could do this to being just a secondary dancer. Uh, she basically will always have a part of Sandy, even though Sandy tried to kill her. Yeah, definitely. It, it's a good. It, I, I love the uh, all of the flashbacks to the '60s scenes. They're always really high energy, really well shot, beautiful colors, and yeah. it's like this melting of. And then, especially when it does the the underbelly of the industry scene where everyone's blowing each other, blowing Coke, <laughs> blowing butts, everything. Um, everyone, everyone's, everyone's doing everything. Um, and it's sort of like this, like the, the, the contrast between the glamorous and the grotesque right. sort of thing. I also, I, uh, I love the fact that, um, oh, oh shit, this is going to relate to our conversation earlier, Justine. Oh. I love the fact that Ellie is always within a mirror within this realm. We yeah. were just yeah. talking about mirrors. This was a thing, uh, side note, I forgot to mention in Titan, because in the first car she fucks, <laughs> there's a mirror right above her. Ooh, <laughs> that's true. Um, but so, so mirrors can, can in you, this can movie. Can you explain uh, the idea with the mirrors and the different realm thing? So, I mean, it's a really broad topic, and yeah. I suggest researching it because there's a lot of really interesting stuff about it. But this was brought up when I was looking into The Shining. Because there's infamous halls of mirrors in that yeah. particular hotel. And essentially, the mirror reflection is in itself its own dimension that doesn't exist necessarily in our physical plane, but still, because it is reflection of ours, it does exist. Yeah. Uh, implying that there is a mirror dimension, essentially. It's like a window into that place. Uh huh. And, you know, if anything is reflected in a mirror, you can essentially be in that. So it's kind of like this in between spiritual zone. And a lot of times when people have mirrors facing each other, it generates like a portal. Yeah. So spirits can get around and get through really easily, which happens in The Shining. Constantine shows this really well in the intro scene. Yeah. And then again, when you have, uh, this is like a, real life superstition too that you shouldn't have mirrors facing your bed because potentially something could come through while you're sleeping and vulnerable vulnerable. exactly wreak havoc and she happens to be sleeping with a vanity 
slash mirror right next to her bed in this new place. As well as there used to most likely be a mirror above the bed as well. Yeah. It was removed. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. That is even more proof of that, like, that specific place was used for sex work and they would bring people up there uh, as, like, all of the people they were meeting. Um, I, what I find interesting is that Ellie basically is on the uh, that other side of the portal and she's seeing this unfold in real time quote unquote and you see that in the beginning too when she first goes into her dreamlike state and she's seeing what's happening back in time yeah is you can tell that it's not her through the mirror reflection right you see her and then you see the other girl yeah you see her walking through but a reflection is something else and then they swap places yeah i did really appreciate the surreal transitions into the dream world like when she pulls the cover over her and then it pulls out and it's a huge cover yes, that's, that's that like shot. moves away. Um, I really appreciate it when the old woman is climbing the stairs and it like stretches and becomes this glass like staircase where it's like in hell. Like she's, she's singing. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It's really good piece of surrealism. And then there's the, uh, the other one where she's running down the hallway which is like, or, or not the hallway, the alley, where she's running down the alley and it's like off kilter and all the dudes are trying to grab her. Mm-hmm. Those are all really good scenes. A lot of great shots like that in this yeah. movie. I, I love both of those and I know what you're talking about. I, I also yeah. <laughs> I also love like the, the whimsy of Matt Smith when he starts with the an interaction and I love seeing the, the swaps between Eloise and uh, Anna Taylor Joy in between these different takes. Yeah. She is dancing with Matt Smith in the past, but in her dreams. Yeah, he also does a really good job of being a hateable character. Yes. Oh, yeah, like absolutely. you really don't like him at, towards the end because of how he's how he's uh, acting with her. Uh, w- one of those scenes that you mentioned earlier was when she would uh, basically be in this corner booth with Eloise watching her, and they're basically like, "So what's your name?" "Well, I'm Sandy. That's a lovely name." "What's your name?" "Uh, I'm Jenna." "Oh, that's a lovely name." Right? She uses over all these names and over and over again, and eventually the the cop is you know like that's not your real name what's your real name please tell yeah. me yeah um and then eventually we find out that uh uh we think we suspect that the old man in the story is jack because they keep portraying that within her her psychotic episodes or her mental breakdowns i guess you could say and at some point jack is like i knew all the girls i was a really big ladies man right. come to find out that he wasn't in fact matt smith's character yeah but it was uh, uh he was the police cop his name is yeah, Lindsay. Lindsay. and uh eventually that spirals she she realizes that uh jack might not be around anymore and she's basically done with Soho. She wants yeah. to get out. Well, she does eventually find out he gets stabbed in the stomach while while holding her down, like to basically like, why are you not listening to me? You're talking about Jack, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, I so great murder scene, by the way. To like, to, at first you watch it and you don't know. You think she's getting murdered because it just shows the knife in the eyes. But then later on, you see that she's stabbing him and then stabs him like straight in the neck, yeah. like straight through into his jaw. Which Over a hundred times is what yeah. Yeah. said. Well, it's it's it was a really cool line because the old lady was, you know, explaining everything yeah. that she had done. And she was like, Sandy did die a hundred times in that room. Oof. And then she goes on to say, Heavy. and then I stabbed him a hundred times. Yeah. And she did. It's want, all his fault. <laughs> and yeah. she didn't want any of this. Yeah, true. You know, she had ideas for her to be a big sh- uh, showstopper. So this is what my argument was before. Why build this character up? Show all of the sympathy for her just to undercut it by making her these this really dangerous killer. And then all of the men are suddenly the victims. At, well, the thing is, when they are showing her say, yes, you know, and I killed all those men. 
I put them in my floorboards. I put them in the walls. At that moment, I had that uh, that witch moment where it's kind of just like, good for her. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like yes, the industry definitely deserved that. And those people should be considered missing persons. She even says the line, yeah. people want to know where they were. And I wanted to ask them who they were yeah because no one really cares a really good effect as far as horror things go it was the blank faces that were then distorted with many different mouths and eyes and noses they would be changing their shape as ghosts every time really good really good to like portray the sort of um numbness and trauma that you'll get from something like that Mm -hmm. which is the many people that might show up and they're just countless like there's so many that are happening and then they show up as these formless things and you hear the voices over and over again through it so it's all really good stuff that they use for it and i thought that was really good so what i thought was a wonderful portrayal was uh at the end before Lindsay dies he says i didn't kill sandy alex killed sandy yeah alexia is her actual real name yeah he knew and like kind of couldn't do anything about it at that point it was actually alexandra alexandra Alexandra, alexia is the other person titan yeah yeah (laughs) so so then did you guys have favorite scenes uh, my favorite scene is the surreal moment on that staircase yeah. where uh, Anna Taylor-Joy, it's swapping between her and the old woman, and she's singing this beautiful song as this staircase of glass. What is it, Downtown? It's downtown, yeah. Also a wonderful, wonderful recording of Downtown for yeah, this holy song. Yeah, shit. <laughs> uh, the music in this is very periodic, and it's very nice to hear. Um, but I love seeing her slash and change between old woman and and younger woman. Yeah. And finally she stabs the, the glass staircase and you see it crack and it's just super crazy to watch. But I love the surrealness of that. I think probably my favorite scene in this movie was actually when she's at the club and she's in the booth meeting all of the men and she's like, hi, I'm Alex. That's a lovely name and just repetitive over and over again. And I like it because it's so sad. The visuals get stronger too as you go through. Yeah, things start to get a little more psychedelic and more hazy. And I feel like that's really representative of people who are oftentimes forced in these situations is it it's really monotonous things start to blur together. You start to lose your sense of identity. You don't care about their identity. You don't care about uh, uh, it's just so sad. I can't even get into it right now, but it was a really powerful moment, I think, and just visually striking. Good piece of writing. Anyways. Um, <laughs> my favorite scene, I think it has to be the first time that she goes into 60s land. Yeah. yeah. Because it's just so high energy and such a contrast to everything else in the movie. Because it's all, there's not, I mean, it's not as gnarly, I don't think, during that scene either. It's got a lot of really cool shots, the music numbers going on. She goes and gets a drink and, like, orders the Vesper, which is like the 007 Bond reference during the Vespa. Oh, the, yeah. is it the Vespa or Vesper? No, Vesper. it's Vesper. Vesper. Yeah. But, you know, I, oh, they, the they're, way they they're say British. It. Yeah, they Vespa. say Vespa. Vespa. Yeah. <laughs> The dancing is great, and especially yeah. like how how uh, Matt Smith beats up the other character, and they're running out like giddy little kids. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just like Man. all of that. All of that is is great yeah. because it's setting a a, what a, a great tone con. that's going to be. Yeah, exactly. That's and like that's... a the ultimate con for the women bringing women into what they're doing because the guy ultimately is one of the dudes who like she kind of has to what's the word he put work it with. like work with impress like these are the men they're, you have to both, like please they're both very mysterious in this scene too and it, it kind of it yeah. keeps you optimistic about it the the thing when you said con see i didn't 
fully I didn't fully correlate that with he's conning her, which is also true. Yes. But I was like, this movie has a billion different cons. In oh, it. yeah. Both with red herrings and yes. with literal cons yeah. that are happening in the also narrative. Also with the foreshadowing with the old woman, like, oh, you know, some people leave in the middle of the night. And she's like, I would never do that to you. Yeah, it does <laughs> yeah. that literally. So it's just, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. Fa- favorite scene. It's hard to really pick one just because they're all really good. I did mention the stairway one, but I think one of the other ones that was kind of understated was uh, when she's in the library and she's about to stab that girl in the face. I was just like, please. I was so wishing she would stab her, but then the dude who's interested in her grabs her hand and is like, hold on, and then like pulls the scissors out of her hand. And then she, the girl's response is, what the actual fuck? And then just <laughs> leaves because she's so like distressed by what is about to happen. But yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't go back to that because like she ends up being in the fashion show later. So brave. And yeah, <laughs> right. So and then you so got those girls. So like there was, so this is why I don't rate it very highly because there's plot holes for me. And there's also like, I feel like undercutting people. What's that? I just wanted to make a little note to yeah. a really funny thing that happens in this movie where she's looking for all of the past murder snippets from the newspapers and stuff. Yeah. And he's like, what, what class are you in? She's like, oh, I'm in fashion. Oh, and yeah. he's like, you're trying to make a fashion based off of uh, murders? And she's like, yeah. He's like, killer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Killer into it. He's like, yes. And then she literally does that at the end of the movie because all the outfits are everything that yeah. Sandy wore. Wow. Yeah. 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 I didn't even think about that. Yeah, she actually followed <laughs> really through. Really cool line and a, a positive way to end the movie because uh, you believe that they might be in, in an area where uh, Eloise is poisoned. The guy is stabbed in the gut, bleeding yeah. out. But it ends on a high note because she's able to actually do the the fashion show and show her grand. Yeah. I guess the darker side is that uh, Sandy's going to be with her. Yeah, mentally and, yeah. and within her her uh, her mind up. forever. Uh, but I love that it ends with them touching the mirror because you're yeah. basically closing the gap between the dimensions and even though they're going to be going with you, you're still on the it's, up and up. It's like she went in and was communicated with, with a trauma that is persistent in this house and still affects the people who are yeah. alive and dead. And she says, I want to end all of it. Oh, that's nice. That's a good, and that's kind of that. like yeah. the, and that's kind of what happens. You want to end all of it. All, everyone needs to stop suffering. And that's kind of like a, it's mm. a point. All right. Then what do you guys rate it? I'm going to give this like an eight. I think it's a solid movie and like Edgar Wright behind it. It's, it looks like a big critique of the industry and I appreciate it. I also like the stellar cast seeing Matt Smith be an evil piece of shit. is (laughs) Such a contrast to me seeing him go with Amy and Rory in Dr. Who. So I love that. And I love uh, the music in this because the, the re-recordings and the, and the basically the, the remixes of these older songs made with newer people and I also love uh, Mackenzie Thompson. She's so great. She was great in uh, she was great in JoJo, and now I have another movie to add to her repertoire. So I love everything about it. I wouldn't give it a ten, but because of the said plot holes, as well as like I wanted to see that bitch get stabbed, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, yeah, I give it an eight purely because the bitch didn't get stabbed. Dang, I'm gonna Bitchy give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it an oh, eight. Oh, it's also an eight because a black guy got stabbed. Yeah, that's true. Could have been a little higher. Not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. You said it was almost a ten or a nine. Yeah. When we were watching, when we were watching it, I was like, "Oh, damn, he got stabbed." It was almost a ten. Now it's a nine, and the other bitch didn't get stabbed, so I'm taking it down another point. Eight. Eight. 
<laughs> yeah, eight's but it's a all cool around. Movie. Eight's yeah. all around. You haven't even heard my rating. You're already saying eight's all around. Well, so far. <laughs> yeah, so far. So far. Right? So far. So I wanted to say that it is not too common to see ghost stories nowadays. True. Which I think is really cool that we're seeing a ghost story. I really appreciate um, the time scene, the uh, the 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 period parts of this movie. I appreciate a lot of the cinematography. I think that the actual plot itself is really cool and how it fucks with you. Gives you those red herrings. It's a constant con job all the way through. Um, and I think that's great. And um, for that, I'm giving it an eight. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about you? What's your so eight's all around. For my reasoning for an eight, because the script could have been better. Okay. Um, also, I don't like the, the change at the end. For I think I think they did themselves a disservice by seriously undercutting the main character and her motives by then attacking Ellie, who could have been a. I think it would have been better if Ellie discovered it and then they like came to some agreement and then an accident happened where like another man comes in and like burns the house down and like are he, that's or what he happened. basically is like you're you're Alex you were Sandy you yeah know? <laughs> you know or like have something like that where they have to work together would have felt better to me um, and then got you could have still gotten to the ending that you got by like having somebody do that to, to switch it around. I think put too much sympathy on people that you spent an hour and a half making into the villain, basically hating. And then, and then you just change it. And then, so that to me feels like, Oh, you went with a really weak ending for something like that, even though it was kind of like the like catastrophe at the end. So I think you could have changed it out. So I don't know what, maybe they were getting to the end of their writing and like had to find a way to end it, but that didn't feel right for me for the story, but that's just a personal preference. Yeah, so there's eights all around. I give a little bit of the the points to actually having them burn a fucking building down in London. <laughs> did, did they though? Oh, I think so. I wasn't sure because it could have been CGI, but uh, it could have yeah. been a set. Too. I'm sure it's a set. Yeah, Shh, a built guys, set. I have this. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they I'm give a shit. I'm just saying because of how dense London is. Right. I don't think the city do would ever allow something like that. <laughs> you know what's? A- do we not know about all these London fucking fires yeah. that have happened throughout history? Right. Like that city been burned. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love. Uh, I love the throwaway line. I'm going to end on this, uh, where Alex or the older version of Sandy is basically like, "This is London. People have died on every street corner, every fucking building, yeah. and every house. This has been bombed. This has been destroyed. People have dealt with death forever, and it's just everywhere prevalent in this city." Yeah, Most, I did also like her comment about the place, about the bar itself being yes. a place where people come in and like their joy and laughter and all that stuff is like seeped into the walls. Yeah, and it's become that place. And it further emphasizes that you know the whole point of her being able to feel the energy in the area. Yeah, exactly. You feel the laughter in the bar. You feel the sorrow in the bedroom. Yeah, you're feeling it because you're in that certain place for an X amount of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and depending on your occupation, we support sex workers in this chat. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So is that basically it? Guys, you got any yeah. final thoughts? No final movie? thoughts here. Go okay. check it out. It's a good movie. Yeah. Last Night in Soho by Edgar Wright. Soho. So we have a couple of things that we'd like to announce. One, we're going to be starting our Discord server. Well, hopefully it'll be up by now. Hopefully it'll be up by now. It absolutely will be. We're going to be starting <laughs> that and basically just send us your memes. Tell us your critiques about certain things. We just love to start a community with our fan base who could basically discuss movies as well as other stupid shit in the world. Uh, also we have our Patreon where for $2 a month, you could subscribe to us, basically get all our bonus content where we will be having new uploads from gaming, uh, horror game with Mitch cryptos with Justine. Me and John will be doing the sci-fi corner as well as my, uh, area with monsters with myrrh. 
And then you could always recommend that uh, certain horror content for us to review, and we will definitely put it in consideration for the schedule. Then we have all our social medias where we tell you to check out all of our stuff. We have the Instagrams, the Twitters, and the Facebooks where you get notified every time that we upload a new episode. Also, check out the uh, Apple Podcast and Spotify. Make sure to give us a follow and a review because every little bit helps us out uh, and gets more people and more audiences to us. And that, in turn, fosters a better community for the podcast. And then finally, we have our merch, which basically helps us out very much financially. Uh, so we have our Teespring, which is up on our all our uh, what is that thing? Uh, our, our link tree, which is yeah. within, <laughs> What's within that thing again? it's called it's all on our bios on all of our yeah. it's our uh, social media platforms. You click the link tree, check out our Teespring, where we have anime versions of ourselves on T-shirts, cups, and hats, and then we also have the original designs. Uh, that we use when we start for our trucker hats, regular hats, as well as t-shirts. We're also going to make, well, you should just go join the Discord. And then I I will also have the links for the Twitch where uh, we're all going to be playing horror video games together. So we're going to be hanging out. Go subscribe, follow the Twitch, and then we'll try to make (laughs) some videos for everybody. Yeah, we're expecting more content this year. So we just want to give back to to all the people that care about us. And we love you all. 2020. 2020. is the year of the content the year of the content but it's art right it's art it's art art. thank you for listening i'm mitch i'm mer i'm justine and i'm john thank you